Welcome back to the Barrow Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Today, we're back in the booth with your co-hosts, Evan McElwain and Jess Benito. This week, we are joined by Jessica Barrett, Managing Director at Pymetrics, to talk about potential over-pedigree when it comes to startup sales hiring. Great to have you on the show, Jessica. It's great to be here. So to kick things off, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your background and your company, Pymetrics? Sure. So I lead the uh, sales team at Pymetrics and I've been with the company for six years. I started as a third employee and really was inspired by this idea of making the job search process less painful for a candidate and easier for employers. And that's really what Pymetrics is all about. We are a talent matching platform with the goal of making job search easier, more fair, and more accurate for both people searching for a job and people hiring. Awesome. And can you tell us one thing that nobody on this podcast, nobody listening to this podcast would know about you? Sure. This was probably the hardest question for me to think about because I feel kind of boring, but probably that I'm a big classics nerd and I can read both Latin and ancient Greek, which is really, really, uh, useful tool to have in this day and age. That's awesome. So before we get started, Jessica, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your experience at Pymetrics, because I think it's, it's, it's a really cool success story being one of the early employees on the commercial side of the house and to just see that kind of growth. A lot of our listeners are early stage sellers, and I, I just think your career arc and your story there is, is one that a lot of our, these early stage sellers would, would admire. Just how you've risen through the ranks, going from being the first IC, closing major deals, then transitioning into senior leadership role, leading a good-sized team. Now, the company's grown a, a, a ton, obviously, since you first joined. Can you just talk about sort of what that's been like to be part of such growth, you know, to have played such a big role, and also just how you've successfully navigated your career through the roller coaster that is any startup? Yeah, absolutely. I think, first and foremost, people are often really surprised that I've been at Pymetrics for six years, which I think in tech is considered centuries. You know, I'm like the person who's been at the company for 40, you're like, God, you're celebrating 40 years at this company. So that's kind of what it feels like for me sometimes. But I think the role in the company was always changing. So it felt like, it's felt like so many different companies and positions and not just one. And I actually think that's what's helped me navigate it because I've been really intentional and reflective kind of at each point. It felt like we were at a turning point. We were growing. We were a different company than we were six months ago. And taking the time to kind of say, what type of organization is Pymetrics now? What is my role? How is it changing? How do I fit in? Where are the new gaps in what I have to close from what my job was to what it is now. And I think actually thinking about, I just got a new job at a new company was actually a way to to help me grow and close the gaps when I really thought about it through that type of framework. I think broader advice just on navigating the roller coasters, I think always reflecting on what's the worst case scenario and realizing that it wasn't that bad. 
And to me, that's just been a good kind of emotional leveling of like, God, it feels like the sky is falling. But if you play that out in your head and you take it to like the deepest, darkest you know, outcome, is it really that bad? And I think getting comfortable with that helps you navigate the deep dips in the roller coaster. So let's dive into our topic for today, startup sales hiring, potential over pedigree. To help orient the conversation, I think what we do is we break it down into two parts. First, let's talk about why it's important to value potential over pedigree. Um, and then once we're convinced that that's what we should be doing, let's dive into you know, how do we actually do it? So I think first things first, let's define what we mean when we say potential over pedigree, when it comes to startup sales hiring, what exactly are we talking about here? Yeah, I think in the most fundamental definition, it's really has somebody had the job title that you're hiring before or not? And have they worked at a company that maybe you see as aspirational, so to speak, or not? Or does this person have the underlying capabilities where you can take a chance on them? And I think that's probably what it is. It's like, taking a risk, so to speak, on somebody when they haven't done the job that you are hiring for before. And so I think that's how I'd say it in the most fundamental ways. I think how I see this sort of manifest, and there's actually a great Stanford Business School case study that's around MongoDB and how they had reached a certain point where they had to rethink their entire sales team which was originally very tenured, very senior people who had been selling databases for years. And the company was convinced that they needed these people to have the senior level conversations to do the you know, executive selling. But what they realized was actually that MongoDB was challenging the status quo. And it was a very different type of profile that they needed. And they kind of scrapped the whole profile that they had and hired people who were proactive and willing to challenge versus those who had done it before because they as a company were kind of going against everything that had done before. And I think that's a very common trap that startups get lured by, you know, who do we want to be when we grow up or who are we trying to interface with from a competitive standpoint and think that they need to hire for that when really you're trying to do something fundamentally different than what that is. And so I'm not saying that experience doesn't matter at all, but I think that people over-index on it and would be better off evaluating what doing the job successfully entails at a fundamental level and ensuring that you're holistically assessing for that. And so Jessica, you've already started kind of touching on it in terms of this this paradox that companies find themselves in where they they're trying to really move quickly they're trying to move as fast as possible go 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 and in doing so you know they want to hire somebody that's been there before that can kind of plug and play so that they don't make a lot of the mistakes that folks doing that role or task for the first time make and then also that piece of you know kind of trying to hire from companies that they see themselves becoming and that they want to be like although you mentioned that may not always be the best strategy. I think from a, com from a starter's perspective that's going through that process, they may look at that as a way to kind of mitigate their execution risk and, and avoid a costly hiring mistake, having to hire somebody like go them six months later and fill that role again. Can we maybe just dig in a little bit more around that strategy? How are you seeing that manifest itself today in the startup world? 
Yeah, I think that people think that it really lies with the salesperson itself. And that's the way to like the ticket to the growth is with the salesperson. I actually think that sales operations and sales enablement are overlooked a lot of the time. And that to me makes it so much easier to fuel the hiring and the success of the salespeople. And I think that's really where people should focus when they think about, I need somebody who's done this before and can put something in that's gonna, that I'm confident is gonna work. I think that's where people should be focusing on getting that right. Because I think that makes it easier to then bring on the people in the sales role. And if you need somebody that, if somebody doesn't work out and you need to hire quickly for another person, you've already put the infrastructure in place to get that person ramping as quickly as possible. And I think that's oftentimes overlooked as well. And thinking like holistically beyond just sales specifically, but the other functions that support sales being successful. And I think that has to be part of the conversation as well. I love that. So it's, it's really about putting in place the right processes, documentation, enablement, and structure around the sales team so that you're not, you don't have this kind of like silver bullet attitude of, oh, if I just find the right person that's done it before, then that's all we need. No, you, you need to have the structure to make them successful. And that's just going to help mitigate the execution risk. And, and so if somebody doesn't work out, you can get somebody back in, get them ramped effectively and quickly. Totally. I think it really de-risks the hiring process. And especially early on where you're still figuring out exactly what that profile is, being able to pivot and say, okay, this person didn't work out. We need to get somebody else in and ramp them quickly. It like reduces the time to value also that you have to be able to make a determination. Is this person successful or not? And you have no excuse around did they get onboarded properly or did we, you know, did we enable them properly? Because if you've got that in place, it shortens that time that you have to assess whether or not that person is truly the right fit. Got it. Yeah, that makes total sense. We're especially excited to chat with you today because you work at a HR tech company that sells software to companies to help them hire better with a radically different approach. So what I love is that you're not only speaking from personal experience, but also from experience in this in the space that Pymetrics operates within. Are there any sort of data points that you can share that have helped shape your view on hiring best practices as it relates to potential over pedigree? Sure, obviously I was particularly excited about this today because it does fit squarely in what, what, with what my job is. So I have a ton of passion about this space. And I think I'd probably bucket it into areas of important data points. One is around kind of the idea that experience is incredibly predictive of performance. And there's been a lot of research. Recently, there was actually a Harvard Business Review article about a professor at Florida State that did this massive review of 81 studies to investigate the link between an employee's prior work experience and his or her performance in a new organization. And they found no significant correlation between the two. So even when people had completed tasks, held roles, or worked in functions or industries relevant to their current ones, it did not translate into better performance. So I think that that's an important data point. And I think people see it a lot where, oh, this person's resume looked great. And then they got in the job and it was not 
it, it did not work out at all. So there's a lot more quantitative research now that shows that we really have to challenge that bias around experience. I think the other form of bias, which especially now is becoming more and more important for organizations. And I think, you know, it's never too early to start to think about how do you diversify your workforce and make sure that you have a really solid process from the beginning is around demographic bias. So that is also hugely problematic when it comes to even something like resume review. So again, lots of research on this and the LA Times published something last week around even when companies have a specific mandate around diversity hiring in something like a STEM field, they subconsciously penalized resumes with minority or female names. And it basically ended up that females and minorities needed a 4.0 GPA to get the same rating as a white male with a 3.7. So other demographic groups have to work that much harder to get the same type of rating as a white male. And I think those are the two major kind of buckets of data points that have informed my hiring philosophy around how we cannot be as dependent on a resume and really have to look at somebody's inherent abilities or what are the skills that they have learned and done successfully at a much more specific level than what you get on a resume. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. Just the, how the bias of experience, you know, then sort of perpetuates other biases as well and exacerbates them and makes it even worse. And the farther you are along in your company's, your startup's kind of company life, the harder that gets to rewind and, and kind of build it the right way. So I really, really like that point. And, you know, it kind of goes back to your earlier point of this, this misnomer where startups sometimes they maybe want to hire some, a salesperson from a big company because that's what they're aspiring to be like when in actuality, this is, you know, they're trying to build something that's kind of net new and that's unique and there's no shortcuts there uh, in terms of just kind of somebody that's done that exact thing before because it's going to be a little bit different. Yep. Okay, Jessica, so we've talked about the why. Now let's shift a little bit into the how. So if I'm an early stage founder, how do I actually go to implement this kind of methodology at my startup? So maybe let's start by learning from your experience. How did you go about building your BD and sales team at Pymetrics? Sure. We, I'm sure like many other early stage companies, we couldn't afford expensive enterprise sellers. So we were, you know, we were faced with that limitation and we built Pymetrics initial sales team based on, I think two key things. One was the knowledge and the passion. And then the other one was getting really tactical around skills that were important and not based on if people had sold before. So we kind of broke down like what is selling and what are sort of other functions that share similar skills to selling. So for us, recruiting was a really good kind of relational function. In recruiting, you're actually selling, you're selling the candidate, you're sourcing, right? It's like prospecting, you've gotta be persistent and there's so many similarities. And so we actually hired two people who came from recruiting and executive search. And they had those similar skill sets to what it takes in, in sales. So I think that's what I would think about is like, what are the relational functions to what that job is? The other thing that 
we looked at was really, as I mentioned, the tactical skills. So for us, putting together a business case, doing data analysis, interacting with executive level people. That was actually a big one. And I think was something that had made me successful was I had prior experience in a fortune 500 company working for C-level people. So I understood how they communicated, what resonated, and some of the people that we hired had been in similar situations where they had presented to CHROs in their own companies and understood how do I speak to an executive. And those were really the things that we looked at. Also, I would say the other bucket was, and I'm a big fan of this, is has somebody done multiple functions successfully? Because I think that shows an ability to adapt, to have learning agility, and to, and to me really reflects that somebody could come into a totally different function or organization and thrive. One quick follow on to that. You know, you mentioned somebody that's adaptable, that's shown that they can really learn and pick up things quickly, kind of the general athlete, you know, as, as you may call it. Do you think that that is, that that holds true for later stage startups as well, where the teams are more built out, people start to get a little bit more specialized? Is it just as valuable then? or you know, should we be thinking about this through the lens of like really kind of early stage um, startups? I think it shifts as you get later stage and you're really looking more for, as you said, specialization. I think now that we're a little bit later stage and I'm thinking about, we really want to go deeper into the financial services segment. I'm probably going to, you know, put more weight onto something like, has this person sold into financial services before? Because that's a specific need that I have right now. So I do think that's something that evolves over the life cycle. I think it also depends on how confident you are in the structure of your sales org at that point. You know, if you're in a situation where maybe reps are a blended model of new business and existing, and you may at some point have to shift that. That to me would be more of a signal. We need a general athlete who can kind of do multiple things. I think if you feel more confident in the way you've structured the team where we need account managers instead of new business people, you then probably want to get more specialized. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. Like the general athlete attributes can kind of help make up for sometimes the lack of structure or the lack of support, you know, and, and, and processes that you put in place. And as you put those things in place, it, it enables you to start bringing on people for more specific roles. Can you share a bit more about that experience of building out a very thorough hiring process? What are some tips and best practices that can help people stay true to this mandate of prioritizing potential over pedigree and avoiding over-indexing on the wrong things? Sure. I think most people outside of HR have never heard of a job analysis before, but that to me is where I would suggest that you start, which really breaks down to mapping out the knowledge, skills, and abilities that you're requiring in a job. And I think people people think about a job description and this is a little bit different i think this requires you to think in a little bit more of a framework around reframing exactly what the job is and so i would really challenge people to move away from a job description 
I do have a future proje projection that like job descriptions are going to go away. I think they're not useful and I think we'll figure out better ways to, you know, give somebody a sense of a job and whether or not it's the right thing for them. So that's where I would start. I would say move away from a job description and think about it in terms of those categories of what's the knowledge, what are the skills, and what are the abilities. And by abilities, I mean almost like behaviors. You know, is it somebody who, for us at Pymetrics, we would think about behaviors in terms of being more biased to action rather than restrained or being willing to take risk when the outcome is unknown or putting in the same amount of effort regardless of the reward? Are you more driven by the outcome? So those are kind of what I mean by behaviors or abilities. And I would then really align your recruitment process to holistically assess against that framework. So I think that's something else that gets missed is people don't really check themselves to say, does my whole recruitment process actually cover everything that the job entails? And making sure that you're really intentional about each stage of the process and what components you're assessing in each is really important. And that's where kind of a scoring rubric can help. And I think it's important to be disciplined and structured about it far before it feels like you need to be. And so Jessica, one follow-up question there. So you mentioned the importance of measuring for some of these behaviors. Yeah, you mentioned bias to action, willingness to take risk in the face of many unknowns. All these things are super relevant and important at, at early stage startups. How do you actually kind of measure for that? You mentioned using a rubric. Are there certain questions that you're asking that's like helping elicit that? Or are you running them through some kind of like, you know, you see more formal evaluations that are, that are leveraged? How do you think about it? Sure. For us at Pymetrics, we actually have a technology that measures for things like that. For companies where something like a tool like ours is not available to them, I would think about it in terms of the types of interview questions that you're asking somebody. So making sure that you're covering off behaviors as you're thinking about the questions that you're asking. The other thing that I think is never too early to start is also case studies or, or role plays and integrating that into the process. I think that's better for understanding the skill piece probably and also giving somebody a realistic job preview. I think that's the other piece that we forget is that this is a two-way kind of street and you need to make sure that that candidate really understands what the job is. So if you're going to be asking somebody with a lot of experience to pull email lists, find people's contact information, and do a lot of self-service prospect, I would give them that as an exercise to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's super important. And you also don't want to kind of paint some rosy picture. Like they're only going to be doing super interesting strategic work when actually maybe a quarter of their time is spent just heads down prospecting because somebody's got to do it. And it's, it's an important part of the job. So Jessica, another question, you know, this is kind of more for the early stage sellers listening that are earlier in their career, kind of maybe in that transition phase between IC and manager. When you were building out this, this sales team for the first time at Pymetrics, had you ever hired or managed a team before that? And if not, like, how do you level up there? Are there any kind of tips um, that folks can, can mirror if they find themselves in a similar boat? My most relevant previous experience was interfacing with hiring processes in my 
previous life. So I interned at Google and their people operations team, which gave me a really robust kind of look into what their hiring processes were like, which were pretty thorough. And that was the times when I was introduced to using these formal rubrics or getting, you know, only three people are giving input because once you get beyond three, like it's not going to really change the hiring outcomes. And so I think that was really helpful for me in thinking about how do you design a really thorough hiring process. The same at, at JP Morgan, where I actually spent time in HR as well. And so very much saw the do's and don'ts of how to develop a, a thoughtful hiring process. And I think for people who are leveling up who don't maybe have the experience directly or the exposure like I did, I would really try to think about kind of, as I mentioned earlier, like every time you're turning a corner and you're seeing your company in a different stage and you think like, I'm in a new job right now, think about yourself as a recruiter. Like, I think you have to try to put your recruiting hat on and Go to resources that are, you know, recruiting resources, read about like uh, an effective hiring process. Even LinkedIn has a great like recruiting daily newsletter that's very digestible content around how do you design a fair hiring process. And I think being really intentional about this is my recruiting recruiter job will help instead of this is my founder job. I would really try to think about it quite functionally. So one thing that's really stands out to me in this conversation is kind of the importance of balance in the startup sales hiring process. The balancing someone's experiences and, and their previous roles, but also really with their adaptability to learn and grow and, and bounce around roles, as you've alluded to, to really kind of fulfill their overall potential. Can you share some tips for folks that are trying to find the right balance? You know, they don't want to over-index kind of one way or the other. Yeah, I think it's important to zoom out and look at your team holistically to see what are the strengths and experience of the team at large. And are you kind of overweight one type of person or can you diversify? So I think you kind of want to look at, and I would say it's even beyond sales and the supporting functions, but actually like the whole company. And are we over-indexing too much now on people who are coming from the same kind of standpoint of we haven't done this before we've you know we're figuring it out and i think it does uh, require a balance at the team level so that's something that i would suggest and also what stage is your company at are you hiring the first in a role that might be redefined in three months so i think that's what we were kind of talking about earlier like are you do you know that account managers you know there's that split between new business and the account management and that's a hundred percent the way that we should structure things have you proven that out yet or will the role be redefined in three months are you sure of the scope of that job and i think that that will help you think about where do i need to place the weight right for that general athlete versus more specialization and and experience and then also kind of as we talked about what other roles do you have that support sales and are they built out and do they have subject matter experts in sitting in those functions? I think that is so critical to successful scaling of a sales org is making sure that those other roles are kind of locked in, in a great position. 
And I think those questions will help inform how flexible you can be with who you hire and what that balance looks like. So you, you've kind of touched on um, earlier in the conversation a couple of different times that there are a couple of scenarios where potential over pedigree doesn't necessarily hold true. Uh, for example, um, if you were to hire for that financial services role, you might be looking for that specific financial services experience. So I kind of just want to spend a little bit of time there, just kind of looking more broadly at some specific scenarios where you maybe should value somebody's pedigree over their potential. As I mentioned at the beginning, I don't want people to take away from this that I think experience doesn't matter at all. I think it absolutely does. I think it needs to be assessed holistically and has a role to play that varies depending on the stage of the company and the level of the role and all of that. So absolutely, I think there are many scenarios in which that pedigree is important. And as I mentioned, I think if it's selling into financial services or somebody who, to your point, Jess, really can sell at a higher ACV when you're getting into maybe contracts that are multi-year, multi-million dollar contracts are going to need somebody who can help with those major negotiations and, and procurement. And I think that is easier to do because you have a very defined gap that you can then go and fill. Whereas earlier, I think you're, when you're still trying to figure out what's going to work, you don't even know where your gaps are. So I think that, I think that makes a lot of sense that you would have kind of subject matter experts at a, at a certain point. And I especially think that's true. And, you know, talked about this a lot is when it comes to things like sales ops or, you know, an SDR manager or sales enablement, I think experience is so critical in those roles. Those people are really building the engine for you. And if you think about like, if they are building the engine of the car and the salesperson is driving it, if that engine doesn't work, that car is not going to go anywhere, even if the driver is amazing. So I think that there's, there's real importance on those surrounding sales roles where experience and pedigree is, is key. So one follow-up question there, Jessica, is, you know, we've kind of talked about the spectrum of early stage to later stage as things get more specialized. That's maybe where this equation ch changes a bit. What about kind of the seniority of roles? You know, do you find that potential of a pedigree tends to be more important or more pertinent hiring for more junior roles? Can it also be applicable to more senior roles as well? Yeah, I think the weighting shifts as you get more senior, where that pedigree becomes kind of a more important weighting in your decision. But I think it's still critical that you really test the tactical things that that person is going to be doing. Because especially at those senior levels at a startup, I think those people are going to be spending a lot of time problem solving and getting into the weeds. And I think you need to make sure that those people are willing and excited about getting into the weeds because we've hired some senior people who are great at the high level. They come from amazing organizations, but they had gotten to a point in those organizations where they weren't in the weeds anymore. And at a startup, you really need to be in the weeds. So kind of as we were talking about earlier, setting a realistic job preview, I don't think that ever goes away. Yeah, I like that a lot. I, I totally agree that that's such an important attribute for executives at startups is to be able to 
zoom out and, and think high level and think strategically to zoom in and roll up your sleeves and, and really figure out, you know, okay, what's the nitty gritty problem solving that needs to happen here. And the other piece I think that really resonates with what you said is as people get more senior, the pedigree piece tends to have more weighting, which logically makes sense because you should be closer to reaching your potential. So there should be less of a kind of question mark there or opportunity there rather. Jessica, what are some common mistakes that startups make when going about their sales hiring and what can they do to avoid them? I think the two that I would really mention are, are being too wooed by, you know, a big company. It was so interesting early on to get so excited and flattered by, oh my gosh, somebody from LinkedIn wants to work at our company. This is amazing. But you really have to be careful not to let the flattery get in the way of an objective decision. And I think especially as you're hiring so quickly and you need that person so badly, it's really easy to just say, you know, I'm confident because they worked at X and we want to be like that company. But you've really got to try to check yourself from that perspective. And then I think the second mistake I would say is over-indexing on salespeople and not the surrounding sales functions. I think sales ops and enablement and ensuring that you've got the right onboarding and training are not are kind of an afterthought a lot of the times. And I think that if you get that right early, you'll be in a much better situation down the road. And even if it feels premature to do that, I, I would say it's probably not. Great. Well, Jessica, we've, we've covered a ton of ground here. Are there any final thoughts, tips, or tricks that you want to share with folks to summarize? I think, as I mentioned, it's never too early to put that effort in upfront to really define the job. I think there are some aspects of building a startup where you want to be scrappy, you want to move quickly. I think when it comes to hiring, you kind of want to act like a big company and put the rigor in, in place. And thinking about what are the supporting functions of sales, as I mentioned, sales ops, enablement, marketing, you need to balance not just the sales profile, but the overall makeup of your go-to-market team. And then I would say being aware of unconscious bias, both positive and negative. You can't train it away, but by using objective frameworks, you can manage it. Awesome. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. 